All right. Good morning, good morning. You guys bring your Bibles this morning? I brought mine. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> no. All right. All right. Well, hey, welcome, church. Welcome for those of you tuning in online. Um, thank you for watching. James is uh, your pilot this morning, so um, say hi to him online. Interact with him. Tell him what kind of tea you're drinking today or coffee or whatever it is. Hot chocolate. Any hot chocolate drinkers in the house? <laughs> Heather makes the best hot chocolate. She makes it with real milk, organic milk. It's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Straight from the cow. All right. Anyways. Hey, we're doing Following Jesus. We started a new series uh, a few weeks back, and uh, we, we're just going to dive right in this morning. We're going to try to tackle a very difficult topic today. It's not difficult, but it's just big you know, John, we spent a year in John, and John introduced us to who Jesus is and really the heartbeat of our God. And when Jesus called his disciples, he said, come follow me. And so we're doing this book called Following Jesus. If you don't have this book, we have copies for you. We would love for you to grab one. And so if you need one even right now, um, we would love to hand one to you just so we don't forget and so raise your hand if you need one. Again, we're Pentecostal here, so you can raise your hands in our church. Okay? All right. I know, Pentecostal jokes. Okay. All right, we're getting one. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and if you need a Bible, we're going to be looking at the Bible today a little bit. We're going to be bouncing around a lot. But um, yeah, raise your hand if you need a Bible. That'd be great. Well, one thing about following this book, it is different going through, I, I love going through books of the Bible, and we're, gonna, we're gearing up for the next series already. Um, we're going to go through a book in the Bible, I'm not going to tell you yet, but we are. Actually going to be two books, um, so you can kind of do the math there. Um, it's interesting going through a book like this, though, because it's topical, and so when we kind of start looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus, what is the, what am I supposed to do to follow Jesus? And so the author of this book, I think, does a really good job. He just breaks it down and makes it very simple. And first of all, he says, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to know him. And so he talks about new life and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. Well, first of all, the Bible says that in him we're new creations. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are made brand new. All your stuff has been washed clean. That's a good feeling, Right? For those of you that are walking with Jesus and know him, do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember how it felt? I mean, even if you're older, I don't know how old you were. Anybody want to tell me how old they, they were when they got saved? Judy, you're 40 years old when you got saved. Well, you're only, that's like 10 years ago. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. okay. You can pay me later for that comment. I'm just kidding. 40 years old. So, Judy, that must have just been like 40 years old. I mean, you were a saint before, I've heard. Yeah. Yes. No. Oh, so other people are saying no. Okay. All right. But, Judy, I do know a little bit about your story. And, yeah, so, Judy, you just clean, right? That's what it means when we follow Jesus, that he gives us a fresh start. And what Dana was saying this morning is that every day with Jesus is a fresh start. Every day he washes us clean. A memory verse that I say on a daily basis, um, just because over my own struggles, is if I confess my sin, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And that's in 1 John. But I say that verse, all, I was saying it while I was worshiping. God, I just want to be right with you. I want to be right with you, and God, because you, you are a just God. But he's also a God of mercy, and he pours that mercy into us and gives us a fresh start every single day. That's just not even the first chapter of this book. That's just like the introduction to the book. And then we get into what does it mean? So what is, how do we communicate with God? We call that prayer. 
So how do we pray? And the Bible is full of prayers. How do we pray? How do we worship? What does it mean to like worship in song specifically? And there's a couple great quotes in chapter 1 about prayer. The book says, prayer is the greatest privilege of humanity. That is a great quote. It is a privilege to be able to open your eyes in the morning and communicate with the one who has already made the day for you, right? And the other quote in that same chapter is, you know, no matter what life throws at you, you know, lead with worship. Even in the darkest places, worship him. And he brings his light and it will change. At least that's what happens for me when, that, when I do that. Hmm. The Bible, chapter 2. How do you talk about the Bible in a half an hour and really get into it? You don't. So it's going to be up to you to read that chapter. It's going to be up to you to get into your Bibles. But I was looking for a family Bible. We used to have one. I think my brother has it now. You know, remember the big Bibles? That, like a lot of families had a big Bible. And I was um, talking to my mom on the phone, and Heather overheard me, and she brought this Bible out. Check this out. Good morning, Alaska, by the way. Sally's watching from Alaska. This is their family Bible. This Bible is from 1860. And I would open it up, but I think it would literally disintegrate in my hands because, you know, and there's page one. Yeah, be careful. I'm afraid to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a precious Bible. We're going to talk about the Bible this morning. Yeah. You know, the Bible introduces us to an amazing God. And it shares who he is, but it also shares who we are. And it's Jesus who saves, but God uses his word, right? Amen? He does use his word. So this Bible has a lot of significance. This is also um, from Heather's family. This is her grandpa's Bible. um, And he carried it with him in World War II, right here. And so he was a strong believer, um, saved by the grace of God, but also saved by the Bible, literally. And this is what happened. So if you look at it really close, there's a cut right here. So he was in um, man-to-man combat at one point with bayonets, and he had his Bible right here, and the guy went to stab him, and it stuck right in his Bible. And there's a cut here, and it goes about halfway through it. You can still see the, I mean, I'm, I'm at Acts right now, and it's still there. I'm in Romans, and it's still there. I'm in 1 Corinthians, and it's still there. He was rescued in Ephesians somewhere. Okay. <laughs> you know, but that's, isn't that, a, that's not amazing? I mean, he had his Bible like right here. I mean, who would think, right? If he would have had this pack of cigarettes there, because everybody smoked back then in the military, right? You got it in your rations, right? It would have gone right through it. You know, our hurts and habits and our hangups won't save us. It's Jesus that saves us. And the fact that he said, the way I can know Jesus and know him better and know him more is through his word. And so he kept his, the word of God close to him, and it saved him. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. So we're going to get into the Bible this morning. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Something about being centered. Okay. Centered in the word. All right. Enough of those. Okay, enough of those. Oh my gosh. All right. How well do we know our Bibles? I don't even have my Bible up here this morning, but how well do we know our Bibles? You know, for me, pers- I'll just tell you, you guys know that I'm not a reader. I know, some, I know some people like Michael in the back who's doing graciously doing our words, and she's like hiding behind the screen right now. That girl loves to read. Michael, how many books a year do you read, like on average? Just Okay, give me last year. Just ask her how many she's read so far this year. How about this year? Okay, think about it. 
about 15 books already this year, and we're in March. Okay. I'm struggling reading this book right here, but anyways. <laughs> I don't read for fun. I read um, out of discipline. I do love reading the Word of God. It's my favorite book. That's really the only book I read besides maybe here, here and there. Because if I really know His Word, then I don't need to know anything else, honestly, for me. So how well do we know our Bibles? How often are we reading our Bibles? You know the statistic that Barna put out years ago that the majority of Christians who show up on Sundays never, ever open their Bible. It's like, like a, it's way up there. I'm not even going to throw it out there because I don't want to be wrong, but it's way up there. That the only time Christians really hear about the Bible, actually read it, is on Sunday mornings at church. And so it's really important that we dive into the Word and get into the Word and know Him. Because when we're watching stuff that are going on right now, the Bible talks about the stuff that is happening in our world like right now. The whole eschatology thing, the study of end times, it's real and it's happening. So we should be getting ready. We should be ready. Because the Bible says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night, that it could happen just like that. And I don't know about you, but he can come anytime he wants. Anytime he wants. So how well do we know our Bibles? We're going to have a little Bible trivia today. A little bit. Just a little bit about the Bible. In the Word, but mainly about the Word. Okay? So this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to ask you a question. And if you know the answer, then I'm going to ask you to stand up. And some of you are like, I'm not playing. <laughs> that, that game's for young people. Okay, anyways. Or if you don't want to stand up, just raise your hand. Okay? All right, question number one. Oh, actually, I need a couple judges. Who likes judging people? <laughs> oh, you're volunteering your wife. Okay, I, anyways. For those of you on that, I won't say who that is, but they're in the back row here in the church, and I'm praying for them in this moment, okay? We have, Tim, you want to be a judge for me? Tammy wants me to be a judge. Tammy, Tammy, Tammy and Tim. Tammy and Tim, why don't you come up here, both of you? I know, just come up here and stand here. Fiona, you come over here on this side. You can be a judge on this side. Okay. All right, Bible trivia. If you know the answer, just raise your hand. Let's make it easy. If you want to stand, then you won't have to go to the gym later because you're going to be standing up a bunch today, okay? Get your squats in. You ready? Fiona, are you kind of watching from middle to the right side? Okay. All right, Tim and Tammy, it's a team effort over there. Okay, question number one. How many books are in the Bible? Well, judges... You won over here. <laughs> Effies. 66 books in the Bible. Yes, yes. For a bonus, how many in the Old Testament? Effies. 39. So if you can do math real quick, how many in the New Testament? The difference. <laughs> if we had prizes, you would win. I would just go like that to you. 27, 27. Okay, question number two. Okay, this one's going to be a quick one, so i got to be ready. Ready? Longest book in the Bible. Bob. No, it's longest book. Well, the book of Psalms. Yes, you were right. And Bob answered another question. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. 180-something verses. So, Bobby, good job answering both questions. Okay, this is a tough one. A little tougher. Okay, I'm looking around. Shortest book in the Bible. Go. Oh, Terry. I think it's first John, but it's one of the Johns. Okay. All right. It is third John. Third John is the shortest book. There's actually, because it's only one page, there's actually five books in the Bible that are only one page. Um, I'm not going to ask you to name them, but there are five of them. Okay. Um, do you know there's only 245 words in the original Greek in that letter? It's a short letter, but it was important. How many authors? of the Bible. One. Ha ha ha. The trick question, she just said one. Yes. The Bible. <laughs> yes, the Sunday school answer. The Bible says that it is God breathed. It was him who inspired the words, but he did use people to write down and he used approximately 40 because there's a couple that scholars really aren't sure about. And so they and they guess about it, but they say approximately 40. Okay, we're moving on. 
This one's an interesting one for me. I love it. Love this question. Okay, you ready, judges? Okay. What's the only book in the Bible that does not mention God? Yes. Esther. All right, judges, thank you. Give the judges a hand, would you? <laughs> Esther is the only book in the Bible that doesn't even mention God himself, but it has God all over it. So good. I love the book of Esther. If you haven't read, like if you're like, I'm talking about the Bible and you're like, well, I don't even know where to start. Just read the book of Esther. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible story of God's rescue. And it, it's the, it has the whole thing. It'd be a great movie. It's got the bad guy, you know, tragedy's coming. You don't even know how they're going to escape what's going on. And then the hero comes in, which is God comes in and intervenes and it's incredible. But they never mention him, which is Amazing to me. The Bible's called many different things. And this morning, it's, I'm going to try to say as much as I can without looking at my notes and falling off the stage. Um, whoa, that was close. Carrie just saw that. Um, but there's some interesting facts and important facts that I want to just make sure you get this morning, that you take home. So I'll be reading a little bit more than probably normal today. But the Bible has been called a roadmap, the word of the Word of God, the Word of Life, the sword, of the sword of the Spirit, the Book of the Law, Good News, and an instruction manual, a love letter, an instruction manual. That's interesting. As soon as I read that uh, this week, I just thought of Ikea. You know, we're kind of spoiled here because Ikea is literally like four miles from here, right? But do you guys realize that people drive to Renton for hours just to go to that store, the big blue box. And I've, I haven't, I've been to the new store once. But people, like, we're going on a destination. We're going to Ikea. And I just thought of the, when I thought of inst instruction manual, I just thought like, and I didn't put it up here because it's a little blurry, but I just thought of, this is how you put together this thing right here. You know, and I just, like one's here, but I, they, you know, oh, there's two, but then you can't even find three. It's just so complicated. So sometimes when we think of instruction manuals, we think, oh man, that's, that's difficult. Who reads instruction manuals, right? Well, we have a few people. Okay, yeah. Well, you don't have to read it if it's Ikea. It's just a picture of something that doesn't fit, all right? Um, yeah, so I was hoping Eric Munch would be here this morning, and I was going to make, because he writes instruction manuals. But. And then I was thinking, you know, you get... When you go to the pharmacist and you get a prescription, right, they give you, um, like, like I take this little thing right here because I found out I have high blood pressure. I don't think it's my job. Anyways. <laughs> um, it's not my job. It's just the body that I was born into. Um, so just to take that little pill, I was curious I was like, well, I wonder what the instructions are for this pill and how it describes it. Eleven pages. I mean, eleven tiny font pages. Did I read it? No, I did not. I did not read it. And I also don't read when I am signing up for something and it has a little box at the bottom that says, I agree to the terms and conditions. And it's like two pages. I have no idea what I've agreed to for the last 15 years that I've been signing up for stuff, right? I mean, somewhere I've agreed to probably buy a goat for somebody. I don't know. But anyways, sometimes we can think of the Bible almost as an instruction manual. Like, ah, man, that's just hard to read. I just don't want to, I don't even know where to start. Well, if you don't know where to start, then just ask somebody that, you trust, and, and have them walk with you and help you. The Bible's fascinating. Yeah, it is 66 books, 66 separate books that have been put together. There's no error, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. How can a book that's, the oldest book in the Bible is 3,400 years old. The newest book found is 1,900 years old, almost 2,000 years old. How can a book this old even be accurate today? How do we even know it's accurate? Well, this is how we know. It's because 
there's a boy doing what boys do, just walking around the desert, watching his sheep or goats. He was a shepherd boy, and he was throwing rocks. Men in here, when you were a boy, did you like to throw rocks? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So they were just throwing rocks because they are bored. There's nothing to do out here. It's a desert. It's, it's, you know. And they were chucking rocks in the caves. And they're just trying to, they love the echo as it bounced through, right? And then one of them chucked this big rock, and they heard this, something shattered. And they're like, well, that was interesting. And so they climb up there and look, and they found these huge clay pots full of writings. And that's the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, over the next 10 years, they found over nine, almost 900 manuscripts from the Old Testament. Every book in the Old Testament was represented in those manuscripts. Some of them were actually fully intact. A lot of them had kind of fallen apart. I actually got to go, Dana Buck took me to the Seattle Science Center years ago when the Dead Sea Scrolls came through. And they're they so valuable. They had the lights dimmed and they had these special things covering because they because the light actually ruins the paper. And so they're like, well, we got to protect these. So you kind of go in there. It's kind of dim. You're looking around. Um, and it was, it was fascinating to see these, these books that were 3,000 years old. You know, just fascinating. Actually, the manuscripts that they found in that time were 2,000 years old. And what's interesting about that is they said, okay, now we can prove that the Bible's wrong. Now we can look and see, oh, see, now the Bible that we have today is not even close to what the original writers wrote. But you know what they found? It was actually spot on. It was spot on. And so how did it get so accurate? Because Gutenberg didn't start printing Bibles until 1452. Okay? That's when, and when Gutenberg invented the printing press, the first thing he printed on the printing press was he made the Bible. I need to get the Word of God out into people's hands. But how did they do the, track the Bible? How did they translate the Bible before? Literally letter by letter. Not like look at a phrase and say, following Jesus the Bible, and then write it down. Or for God so loved the world that, he, you know, I can kind of get that. I can figure that out. But no, they would look at the letter four. So they look at F, F, O, O, R. And they would do that. And then when they were done with the whole book, they would count up the vowels. And if the vowels didn't, the vowels didn't match the one translation before, because remember, they just didn't do it once. Those manuscripts on the type of paper they used just dissolved after a while. They had to do this constant, this group of people did it constantly, constantly writing down the Word of God. <laughs> That's dedication, right? That's amazing to me. So they were constantly writing down the Word of God, and they would count up the, the vowels at the very end, and if it didn't match the vowels within three of the people that translated it before, they trashed it and started all over again. I don't even like to text I talk into my phone most of the time. So if you get a funky text message from me once in a while, yeah, it didn't translate well. But I try to proof them, but it doesn't always happen. I've sent some pretty crazy texts late in the last seven, eight months. Crazy. Letter by letter, they copy the Bible. Found by shepherd boys throwing rocks. And yet the Bible is often criticized, right? For those of us that have been following Jesus for a while, that's just a kind of common theme. The world criticizes the Bible. That can't be accurate. That can't be right. Yet, if I open up, well, they don't even have textbooks. If I open up a kid's laptop from Northwood across the street and type in historical writings, all these writings pop up. For, for example, uh, Plato, his writings pop up. And we take those as absolute fact. In fact, they're in our textbooks, Right? The New Testament alone, manuscripts that have been found over the years, 24,000 manuscripts have been found, and yet we question the Bible, and, and Plato, the manuscripts, copies that we have of him, we have seven, but yet it's fact, right? But yet we question the Bible, its accuracy and its literacy and, and everything. 
Caesar had writings. We have 10 copies of Caesar's writings. And one of the most copies we have of anybody uh, back in the day, Aristotle. 49 copies. Over 900 copies found just in the Dead Sea Scrolls, but again, 24,000 plus for the New Testament. Pretty amazing to me. Following Jesus is what it's all about, though, right? I mean, I can really geek out over this type of stuff. Um, a mentor of mine when I was growing up, Craig Esfeld, he got his doctorate in theology by writing um, a thing on uh, Christian apologetics. And that's knowing why we believe and uh, what we believe. It's not I'm apologizing for being a Christian. It's, hey, these are the facts, and this is what I know, and this is what, um, and this is how I can talk about it. And um, he just geeks out of this. I love reading his stuff. Um, I have a copy of his, and it's from the 80s. Um, he hand-typed it and then made copies on a copy machine. Um, no keyboards, no laptops, no nothing. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Psalm 119, 105. Page 14. The first sentence in this book, I love it. Wouldn't it be great if we just had a direct way to hear from God and he'd give us a manual to live by? The good news, that's exactly what the Bible is. And then the last, the last uh, sentence... You don't read the Bible because you have to. You read the Bible knowing that it is God's word and heart for us directly. So what was the word that was brought this morning? That we're in God's heart. That we're in God's heart. God just works that way, right? Because Jan didn't know we were going to be reading that the word of God is God's heart directed towards us. The Bible reveals who God is. The Bible shows us who we are, and the Bible lays out our purpose. Page 15. Often in the world we live in, people want to alter the Bible to fit their life rather than altering their life to align with the Word of God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but we probably have done that, right? Like I'm reading through... Um, a few books in the Bible right now, and it's, I have to stop sometimes, like, wow, and I say out loud, wow, Jesus, that's a tough one, because it's calling us to live in a high place with him. The door to walk in, into relationship with Jesus is, is wide open, but once we start walking with him, he, he just doesn't let us do whatever we want to do, because he knows what, whatever we want to do usually hurts us and harms us, Right? And so he says, I have a new, a new way for you to live, but sometimes that's really difficult. So sometimes we want to take the Word of God and just kind of like, hey, what if I do it this way? And there's a great video. It's absurd, but I want to show it to you this morning, okay? Tired of the Bible not meeting your needs? Want the Scripture to better revolve around your lifestyle? Well, you've heard of the YouVersion Bible app, introducing the Me Version. Feel free to read the Bible without having to feel convicted. My favorite verse in the Me Version Bible is Matthew 7:1. Thou shalt not judge. Unless they voted for a different political candidate. Other favorites include, therefore, if a brother has sinned against you, post about it on the internet. And ye are without sin, so cast all the stones you want. Thanks, Me Version. This is great. Don't like something? Change it yourself. Me Version is the world's first editable Bible. All your favorite verses just updated to reflect modern life. Like, give us this day our daily gluten-free bread, and I will deliver you into the land flowing with almond milk and ethnically harvested honey. Finally, a Bible that justifies my lifestyle, not the other way around. Most read passages include, before you check the speck in your brother's eye, remember that you do not have a plank in your own eye. And forgive us our trespasses as we literally never forgive anyone who trespasses against us. Tired of feeling guilt? Enter areas that you struggle and we'll remove those verses completely. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and useful. And useful for taking out of context to justify your actions. Thanks, me version. I wish I would have known about this sooner. The Me Version Bible app. Turn the truth into your truth. Available now in the App Store and Google Play.
All right. I think I just heard a few of your feelings out there a little bit. It's absurd, right? We watch that video and say, that's stupid. Who would do that? We do that, right? We do that. Romans 12.2 says, for us to renew our minds. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we renew our minds? The, the New Living Translation, I love the New Living Translation, how it translates that verse, because it, it says, change the way you think. Meaning our thinking is wrong, so we need to change it. And so as we walk with Jesus, as we spend time with Him and also in His Word, what he's doing is he's changing the way we think. We are renewing our minds. We are the ones being transformed. We're allowing the Word of God to transform us and to make us more like him, right? Aligning our life, page 15 at the very bottom, aligning our life to God's Word is not just about coming to church gatherings on Sunday mornings. It's about our whole life. When Jesus calls us to follow him, we aren't just joining a club, but we are choosing a new leader for our life. We will never experience the life that God has for us if we limit following Jesus just to Sunday morning, the Sunday morning box. Attending church services are essential part of our maturing as following Christ, but we must also follow Jesus Monday through Sunday, or Monday through Saturday as well. Do you hear that? What? I don't just have to go to church? I actually have to follow Jesus the other six days too? It says, allow God's word to set the standard for every area of your life. Allow God's word to set the standard for every area of your life. And if you, if you have the book, it gives you five or six, seven um, topics, kind of in-your-face topics of what's going on right now uh, in your world. So how do we follow Jesus? How do I get into his word? How do I study his word? How do I apply his word? Well, there are some basic things, and he covers one of them that we used to do at camp all the time. Um, Mitch, you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Soap. He talks about it in this book. So how do you memorize an acronym? You, well, you, put, you make a word out of it, right? So soap is this, scripture, observation, application, and then prayer. So as you read the Bible, as you spend time with God, so you read the Scripture, and you observe it, so like you actually really like look at it. And I like to say look at it in context. Don't be, a, don't be a plucker. You know, like, oh, I like this verse. I don't like the verse before it or after it, but I like that verse. You know, but read it in context. So, I mean, some of, the, some of our favorite verses in context are tough. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper, you know, yeah. Yes, I will take that one. But you realize that that word was given while they were actually in captivity. They had been ripped out of their homeland and were taken away as prisoners. And they thought God had forsaken them. And God had to remind them that, hey, I have plans for you. And maybe some of us feel like we have been ripped out and torn and put in a place that we don't want to be, and we need to be reminded that, you know what, in the midst of that, that God has plans. But we don't know He has plans for us unless we get into His Word. I do want to say that God will never contradict His Word, by the way. I'm going to say something controversial this morning. You know, we can get saved and not have a Bible, right? Someone can come and tell you, you now they're telling you Scripture, but you might not have your own personal Bible, right? But when God speaks, and I do believe He speaks today, and I believe He is speaking today, I just want to remind us that He does, He will not speak against His Word. And back in the 80s and 90s when things were really blown up with the whole abortion issue, I'm not going to even talk about this morning, but there's Christians actually going out like bombing and blowing up and lighting on fire buildings and hurting people. And they would say, well, God told me that I need to go blow up that building. 
you know. It needs to line up with the Word of God. And if you feel like God is speaking to you and it feels radical to you, then you should pull somebody aside that you love and trust and say, hey, this is what I'm, this is what I'm hearing from God, and I want your honest feedback. If someone comes to me and gives, gives me that story, I'm going to give them my honest feedback, right? Because I love them. We love them and trust. We want, we want them to know that what the Word of God really says, that we're not supposed to go around killing people. No matter what they're doing, we have a responsibility on our side, right? So soap is a great way to, to get into the Word. So we read it, we observe it, and here's the hard part. We apply it. We can't just read it and then walk away and not let it change us. Allow God's Word to set the standard for every area of our life. And one of the quotes from this book says, under applying the Word of God, the question to ask after you read, some, after you read Scripture is, how will I be different after reading this verse? So as I read the scripture, how will I be different? How will I be transformed? How will I be renewed as I read the scriptures? And something we don't talk about very often, but um, is memorization. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, whoo, memorizing. I don't even remember what I had for breakfast. Oh, that's right, I didn't have breakfast, right? So memorizing is tough, but if we really want to be transformed, we have to replace those thoughts that have been planted in us over the years. The lies that have been spoken to us and over us, we have to transplant those with the Word of God. Because I believe the Word of God will transform us and will change us and make us brand new. Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. I memorized, that was one of my first Bible verses that I memorized. I was like 14 years old, and I was a sinner. <laughs> Still am. Still am, saved by his grace and receive his mercy every single day, every single moment, multiple times a day, I should say. But I memorized that verse, I have hidden your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. God, I have hidden your word in my heart so I can walk with you, so I will know you, so I know that you know me. Psalm 139, and we're going to look at it in, in just a moment. That was like my verse when I was an early teenager because I struggled with who I was. I struggled with the way I looked. I struggled with how tall, actually tall is not not even close. I struggled with how small I was. I struggled with how tall I wasn't. How's that? I did, big time. And somebody read Psalm 139 to me and said, God made you just the way you are. It changed my world. Because I compared myself to what the world said was successful and what was good. And I didn't measure up to that. And so then, then I was less than. God made me the way I am. It's important that we know that. It's not an excuse like, oh, this is just the way I am. No, we're still supposed to be being transformed and being renewed every single day, right? But I'm talking about like the things that we, we don't have control over. Like I have no control over how tall I am. I could do the Peter Brady thing and hang upside down in the backyard. <laughs> A few of you remember that episode from the Brady Bunch, yes? Okay. I mean, I could... Well, I won't say it because I know some people in the room do it, so I won't say it anyways. I could do all kinds of things, right? But there's things that I, I have no control over. And so 
Like, I don't have control over necessarily my blood pressure. Now, I can eat better, a few less burgers. I haven't had a donut for a long time, Mr. Johnson, so just letting you know. Last time I had a donut and he saw me eating a donut, he says, hey, what, what, what is your phrase? Don't cheat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. And I was like, okay. And I took one more bite. Because <laughs> I felt like I would have cheated myself by not eating that bite. Anyways, you know, it's, we don't have control over some of those things. And so the word of God transformed me and reminded me who I am in him. Anybody have some scripture verses memorized? Well, I'm putting you on the spot. You don't have to raise your hand. But anybody have a verse that like really means something to you so you memorized it? Rick. As you are so am I in the world. Mm. Do you know the address to that? Uh, Timothy, okay, good job. I love that. Might be first or second Timothy, somewhere in the New Testament. Okay. <laughs> hey, the key is to get it in here, right? It really is. I'm horrible at memorizing the station I find it on, right? I call it the radio station. I don't know what it is, but I just like the song, right? Um, the key is to really like, okay, this is the Word of God. But yeah, for us to be able to share it with somebody, like, man, this verse, one, I want to be able to find it for you and so I can show it to you. That's, that's good to have, too. Anybody else have a memory verse? Yeah, Andrea. Uh, Romans 8.1, there's no more condemnation. I just, we just read that a couple days ago. Yeah, so good. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, do you know where that's found? Is it Psalm 90 or 91? Psalm 19. See, so I had a 9 in it, I was right. 91, 19. I'm dyslexic a little bit. Did somebody else raise their hand? Yeah, Tobe. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God is with you. Joshua 1. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Hey, we've got to get the Word of God in here. Because when we get the Word of God in here, it changes up here. We'd almost think it's the opposite, right? Well, if I just get the Word of God in here, then it'll change. Now, it's got to start. It's got to be here. It's got to be here, and then once it's here, it'll change the way you think, Romans 12, 2. Hey, as we wrap up, I want to ask you to stand this morning. I just want to read a few verses over you um, this morning. Let the Word of God, I mean, let the Word of God just speak for itself today. Again, if you don't have the following Jesus book, are you going to learn anything new in this book? Maybe if you're brand new and walking with Jesus, yes. If you've been walking with Jesus for a few years, you probably aren't going to learn anything new in this book. But what I pray is it just refreshes you and brings you back to center with him. Brings you back to what the verse we read last week about falling in love again with Jesus. I mentioned Psalm 139. The quote in this book. It says when I invert chapter or page fourteen, when I read the Bible, it reminds me of who God says I am. As a father, I often tell my daughters that it doesn't matter what everyone else says. They need to remember what I say about them. And in the same way when the world or even your own thoughts try to destroy you, man. Just go back to the book and remember what God says about you. So what does the Bible say about you? Well, I'm going to sum up Psalm 139, and I just, as I read these verses, I just pray that you would be in a, in a place to receive this morning. So I don't know if that's where you close your eyes or you stare at me or you put your hands out in front of you, just however you would receive. But Psalm 139 just reminds us that he knows us, that he sees us, that he knows our thoughts and he still loves us anyways. He knows what we're going to say before we even say it, that he hymns us in and he, his hand is upon us. 
that there's no place that we can run, that he is not there, that he guides us and he holds us, that there's no place too dark because when he's there, he brings light. Psalm 139 reminds us that we are knitted and woven together by him, that he is the searcher of our hearts and that his way is everlasting. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I've already said it this morning, but that we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Ephesians 2, 10 says that God, God says about us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. He knew you so well and knows us so well that he's prepared things for you to do. In Galatians 2.20, for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, it's a great reminder that says, I have been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live. Can I just say that if you're struggling today, then maybe take a look and say, well, am I doing what I want to do or am I doing what Jesus wants me to do? Because this side of heaven and even for eternity, for those of us that follow Jesus, our lives are not our own. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. So what does God say about me? Well, he says he loves me. He says he sacrificed for me. He, but he also tells me that I'm not to live for myself, but I'm to live for him. So changing the way we think, changing the way we act, that, that how we respond to situations. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. I don't know about you as a follower of Jesus, but I want to know God's will. But how do I do that? Well, one of the ways I do that is I don't conform to the patterns of this world. But I transform my mind by getting into the Word of God and asking His Holy Spirit to speak to me and to flow through me and to light up His Word so I understand it to gather together as believers and encourage one another, to spur, literally spur, to, to, <laughs> to push one another to do the things that are right, the things that are good. So how do we transform our minds? We got to take time. Time with Him time with one another, time in prayer, time in worship, time in the Word, memorizing His Word, getting it into our hearts. Pastor Kevin, I don't even know where to start. Can I just say start? Go home and read your Bible today. If you don't know where to start, Here's a couple places. Read the book of Esther. Hey, check out the Old Testament. Crazy stories. Real people experiencing very difficult circumstances and see God come to the rescue. Jump into the letters that Paul wrote to the early churches that struggled with, man, I don't know how to follow Jesus. We've mentioned the book of Ephesians a couple times. Read the book of Ephesians. Wildfire, our youth ministry is going through that book right now. It's life-changing. It reminds us who we are in Him. Lord, we're thankful for your presence in our lives, and we thank you that you call each of us by name and that you know us. 
Lord, I pray that you would change the way we think about the Bible. Maybe some of us look at it, Jesus, as an instruction manual, and we just, that's why we can't read it. It's too much. But God, I pray that we would see it as a love letter from you. That you want us to know how to live life this side of heaven. You want us to know. God, I pray that we would grab onto it and bring it close to our hearts. Jesus, I thank you, thank you that it is you who's working in us. Not clever words, not anything else, but just you. So God, whether we're watching from home and or we're in the house this morning or watching at another time, God, I pray that you would move in us. Give us a passion, a desire to read your word. And then also, Lord, I pray that you'd give us understanding. Understanding to hear what it has to say to us and then to apply it. I pray that we would live it. Not just for ourselves, God, but for others to see and have hope. Because you do have a future for us. Hmm. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Oh, as I throw it on the ground. Sorry, Sally, if you're watching. Hey, the Bible will save your life because it introduces you to an amazing God. So keep it close to your heart. Amen? Amen. Okay. All right.